Well, hello, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. I'm so glad you're here because we got some things to talk about. This is episode 218, Measure It, Manage It. And you're about to meet Business of Design's very own CFO, Larry Goldberg. But before you do, I'm going to talk to you about jeans, my jeans in particular, the jeans that are hanging in my closet. See, even having said that, I just think, am I a loser? Do people hang their jeans? I've got my jeans hanging. Maybe that's weird. We have no secrets. What can I say? Have you ever looked in your closet and thought, hmm, I know exactly which jeans would look great with this jacket or this top? And then you reach for a different pair of jeans. Why? Because you know darn well those jeans are going to be too tight. I already know it. I don't have to try them on and torture myself. So I just go, hmm, no, you know what? Not today. I'm going to wear these other jeans over here, these comfier jeans. I'm just going to avoid those skinny jeans today. And then I'm going to avoid them this whole week, in fact. And then I'm going to avoid them for the entire month. And before you know it, a year goes by and I'm like, I think I should get rid of those jeans because they're never going to fit again. Oh my gosh. I hope you can relate to me. This is rather pathetic if not. But anyway, I'm letting you in the unfiltered part of my foolish brain. So please be kind. And if this is familiar, maybe you can also understand how you might do the exact same thing with your financial metrics. I did for years. I knew I should delve into my profit and loss statement. I knew there was important information there that might have saved me years and years of lackluster profits and embarrassment, but it was always tomorrow, you know, the next day, next week, next month, as soon as this project is over, as soon as the holidays are over, as soon as the pandemic's over. Ay, ay, ay. I recently heard someone say that procrastination is the art of keeping up with yesterday. And oh my gosh, that just hit me right between the eyes. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that described a certain complacency that I felt a couple years ago. My business is functioning well. My profitability is great. I met my profit goals. I met the number I didn't think was possible to meet. Yay, I had arrived. And, you know, for a certain amount of time, it's okay to revel in that. It's okay to be content. But when you linger too long in the land of status quo, you can find yourself in another place, a not very good place, a place of stagnation. Procrastination as the art of keeping up with yesterday. So I did a whole bunch of things. I took improv. You guys heard me talk about my improv classes and I miss them so much. I haven't been able to do them during the pandemic. I took Spanish classes and I still take Spanish classes and I'm still terrible at it, but it helped shake something loose in me. And I thought, you know, there's so much more I want to learn. And then I realized I need to learn more in my business. Just because I've arrived at a certain level of success, that doesn't mean that my business is operating optimally. And don't I deserve to find out just how far I could go if everything was firing on all cylinders at all times. So I hired a CFO. It's something I thought about for so many years. So many times I thought, oh, I wish I was a bigger corporation and then I would just hire a CFO and I would know exactly what to do. And I finally did that. I wanted to know specifically, am I maxed? 
has my business reached its optimum level? Is there anything I could do that would impact the financial health of my business? And the answer unsurprisingly was, yes, there's a lot I could do. And I can tell you right now that today, right now, my business is not fully optimized, but I'm working on it. And that has motivated me and propelled me to consider that I might not be the only one who's hit a plateau. There might be other business of design members who are so excited that they've come so far and yet two, three, four years into it, hmm, is there more I can do? And the answer is there truly is more you can do and we want to be a part of that. In fact, that feeling, that motivation is what prompted us to completely revamp the programming in business of design. We could have kept going forever. Members were using the program and loving the program, but we made it better, stronger, more efficient, more accurate. I'm so proud of the work we did. And then we turned our attention to launching boss level membership because I know that if you're anything like me, you might have reached a certain level, whatever that level is, and you want more. So those of you who have signed up for boss level membership, you're going to be in really good hands with Larry Goldberg as your CFO as well. He's my CFO and now he's going to be your CFO. And those of you who aren't inside the membership yet, you still get to meet Larry. Of course you do. Because our goal at Business of Design is to improve the industry one designer at a time. And we do that in a variety of ways, including this podcast. So we really appreciate the fact that you're here and you're listening. And one day we know we're going to convince you to do the next right thing and join the membership or join a boss group because it will change your life. I 100% guarantee it. In this episode, as I said, you're going to meet Larry Goldberg. He's someone I've known for many years. He and his wife have been interior design clients of mine. We did a home for them in the city. We did a home for them in the country. And they're wonderful people. And Larry is one of these people who you know exactly what he thinks about everything. He never hides behind false diplomacy. He just tells you how he feels. And so you know exactly where you stand with him. And I've always admired that about him. I also knew that he was a professional CFO and he's worked for many startups. He's worked for companies you've heard of. He's worked for companies I've admired for sure. And so it took me a long time to work up the courage to ask him if I could talk about my business. I was very grateful he didn't just slam the phone down on me, but instead he took my questions very seriously. And that led to me hiring him for KSDG, Kimberly Selden Design Group, and for Business of Design. He's on board to push me toward the next goalpost. Wait a minute. I don't like sports metaphors. We started with jeans. Is there a clothing metaphor? He's here to push me toward a designer label and out of the Target brand. Maybe that's better. And now he's going to do the same thing for you. In this episode, Larry's going to talk about why it's important to measure a variety of metrics and then to check on them with regularity. That's going to allow you to use the information as an agent for change in your business, making small tweaks as you go to get big results. These changes are what's going to improve your business directly as it impacts you and your family and your community. So it's no small feat. 
You will meet Larry in just a minute. I'm gonna check in with our power team, Cheryl Horn and Janine Laudenbach. We're really glad you're here. We are just finishing our top line meeting for business of design. Everybody is familiar. Every member of business of design is familiar with top line meetings because I have one for the design firm every Tuesday, but business of design can't wait till Tuesday. There's too much going on. So we've got Janine Lonbeck, programming specialist here and Cheryl Horn, uh, director of everything. That's not your actual <laughs> title though, right? Cheryl, director of operations. It should be, it really should be. I want a title change. Um, but we do, yeah, we do our meetings on Monday because it's also when we record announcements for the podcast, which launches on Tuesdays. So we, we need a day in advance. <laughs> there you go. What is going on? Well, last week we had uh, BOD live and usually we, you know, promote leading up to them, but last week was so good. Uh, Laura Martin Bovard, who I know has become a very familiar name within our business of design community, joined us with her staff and it was just, it was a great meeting and we talked about your dream team. So they answered so many questions about having staff, um, whether like when to hire, and it was just really good. So the recording is live on the site. So I just want to do a shout out that if you're a member and you haven't already, if you weren't able to join us live, uh, make sure you listen to that one. It was, it was really great. And thank you so much to Laura and her team. It was, it was like being with a group of old friends. It was so good to see everyone's faces. And it reminds me how much we miss seeing you all on a regular basis at our retreats and events. Ah, uh, it's so true. And we are not going to make an announcement today because Cheryl won't let me, but we do have a big announcement coming up soon about the next <laughs> business of design retreat. In the meantime, Cheryl. Whoa. Okay. Back to me. Um, before we jump off of BOD live, we do have the next two coming up. Um, and those dates are on the website. So May 12th, we're going to do open group coaching. Um, we used to do that as our, as our monthly get together. And um, I know some of our members do have very project specific questions that they want to get answered. So join us May 12th for that. And then our next book club coming up on June 16th, we're going to be talking about profit first. And Mike Michalowicz is going to be joining us for that, which is really exciting. I know we've got, that was by member request actually that we're doing that, that book. I haven't finished the book yet. Janine, did you finish it? I have not. I need to catch up on my reading. Okay. Yeah. We were, I promise I will completely finish the book before everybody joins us on June 16th, but I'm looking forward to that. Mike has some strong opinions about how to run things. Uh, and uh, I think people are excited about that. Also still on the site, we have the recording from our BOD boss sessions. Um, I know they're still being watched because I check numbers. <laughs> I watch the stats on everything. We are still getting applications for the boss groups as well. And we are so excited. We have an amazing core group of boss member applications so far. And our team is getting together to review those applications on May 5th. So get your application in before that if you'd like to be considered for our group starting in October. We have big plans for you guys. Cheryl, I did pretty well. I didn't talk about the retreat. Are you proud of me? <laughs> Until now. <laughs> It, it will it will be on details will be up on the site uh soon enough janine you and i may have an idea of seeing a couple people before the end of the year right oh we're yes to, we're, we're not allowed to talk about that either yeah cheryl are we you, to you talk guys about can't that? keep secrets i don't know why like it... <laughs> okay we're keeping the secret so we have to say goodbye goodbye okay bye bye guys 
Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Well, hello. Hey, Larry, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Kimberly? Everything is good over here. I was excited to talk to you. For those of you who don't know Larry Goldberg, we are very excited to have you on Team BOD. We've been looking for you for a while, Larry. Where have you been? <laughs> Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> exactly. So, Larry, tell everybody your background, and then I'll explain why we needed you at Business of Design. Um, thanks, Kimberly. I'm, I'm a CPA, and I, I have a 40-year career working in uh, a very large variety of, of businesses um, from startups to large public companies and in a really wide variety of industries. Started off my life in, in the software business. Um, I've worked in energy storage companies, organic food companies, financial services companies, and so on. Um, so a really wide, wide ranging set of experience. And, um, and now I'm looking forward to working with you in a whole new business, which is the design business. You know, it's funny, um, for so many years when I first was struggling to run my business, I kept looking for a coach who was from the interior design community. And that was disastrous because they had none of the outside experience you're talking about, which would have taught them how to run any business. And so uh, in, with you, I was so excited you'd never had any interaction except personally, I guess, with interior design professionals. And what have you found so far? What's struck you about what you've learned about our industry? Uh, well, first of all, I have dealt, as you mentioned, with, uh, with designers uh, in many personal projects, my wife and I, um, over the years. And uh, they're all different personalities for sure. Um, but I think they, they certainly gave the impression, and I didn't delve very deeply into their businesses, but they all gave the impression of being very, very good designers and for the most part, not very good business people. And, um, and one of the things I've learned uh, over the years in dealing with so many different sizes and types of companies um, is they all have a lot of things in common. Uh, obviously, they're all different. Um, it's like, you know, all the animals on the planet are pretty different, but they all breathe oxygen. And, and so it's the same in, it's the same in business. Um, and the, the fun thing uh, for my career has been seeing how different businesses operate, how each different business can be optimized because they are all different. But, uh, but as I said, they're, they're all, they all have a lot of commonality. We were looking for someone who could help our community get to the next level in terms of their financial savviness, in terms of their profitability. And I felt I had gone as far as I could go on my own steam, which is pretty far. Um, and then I realized, you know, just because I'm comfortable with where I'm at, that doesn't mean that's where I should stay. 
And that might be true for somebody else who's listening. So we thought, you know what, let's get in a real financial expert to show us how to tweak what we have to make it stronger and to make it better. And I was actually surprised as we started working together (laughs) that I need to do more than tweak. (laughs) There's quite a bit more that I have learned in the last year or so as we have been speaking. So let's talk about one of my favorite things I've learned from you. And it's your mantra that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Why don't you unpack that for everybody? Sure. Um, the, the, the key to any business is, is uh, to set and, and achieve financial goals. And there's, of course, you know, things around that. There's different stakeholders and businesses and so on. And, and uh, being you know, socially correct and, and, and environmentally proper and so on. But the real focus, at least for this, this podcast, is, is, is looking at the financial side of a business. And uh, it really starts at, at the, at the um, highest level, which is to set some financial goals for the business, and that could be growth goals. Um, you know, in the simplest case, it could be just profitability. And and um, in the case of uh, most designers, which are, are mostly small businesses, sometimes single person businesses, and sometimes a little bit bigger than that. And of course, there's ones that are very large. But you know, the prime goal for any business is is profit. Um, and uh, it's it's easy to look at that one number and uh, decide whether you're uh, happy with it. Um, and, uh, and whether or not you're happy with it, that doesn't mean that you've optimized where the business could be. And the only way to do that is to measure um, how the business is doing so that you can then manage um, the business properly to achieve or, or exceed the financial goals. So, so the first question is what should be measured? Um, again, the simplest ones for most people, and I think it's probably the one or two measures that um, most small business people uh, measure are, are revenue, how much money is being taken in, and profit, how much is left at the end uh, of, uh, of a time period. Typically, people look at it you know, at the end of a year. How much money did the business make for them to uh, enjoy? And, um, and, and th- that's not enough. Um, because if the business didn't do what you thought it should do or what goals you set, um, and you haven't really looked at the details of the business, then you have no way of knowing why it did or didn't achieve uh, the goals and what you can do about it. So let me let me interject here because there's a couple of things I'm thinking, particularly if I think back to what it was like when I started out, even you know, even 15 years ago. In my mind, why set a goal for profitability? What, why do that? Because my profitability was completely at the mercy of how many clients I got and how much money they spent. I felt powerless to do anything about. I felt, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I just felt powerless. I can't impact my profitability. Can I? Uh, most definitely. And, and again, that gets to the measurement at, uh, of, the, of the metrics, the key metrics of the business. Um, and it's the details. It's, it's sort of the devil's in the details. Every business, every type of business has key metrics, key things that indicate the, the health um, of the business. And whether it's a small, relatively simple business, like many interior design practices, or really complex businesses like an airline, 
they all have key metrics that need to be set um, and measured so that action could be taken, and I'll come to that after, but action is the management side. So, so um, some examples. I, we talked a few minutes ago about the obvious ones being you know, revenue or overall profit. Um, but now how can we drill down? How can you as a designer drill down into those very gross uh, measures? Um, so in a design business, for example, you can take a look at how your revenue is split by type. Um, your design fees, um, charges for consultations that you might do, project management fees, product sales, and so on and so on. So it's not just one big number, um, but there's actually a lot of very important components to us. So you want to be tracking those numbers independently. They shouldn't just be one lumped sum. Very much so. And you'll, you'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk in a little bit why, why it's so important to do that. Um, and again, if we just use a, an airline example, you know, they don't just look at, you know, American Airlines doesn't look at its total revenue. Well, it does, but it looks at very significant details within that, you know, um, what, what are the ticket sales? So that's one class of revenue. And they'll definitely break that down by, by the cabin class, how much business class versus economy class, what their onboard food, food and liquor sales are, um, what baggage fees do they charge? They wanna know to the penny um, what they're earning from each of these areas because they want to they want to maximize revenues from each of these areas. So they might say, I'll increase my baggage fees by five cents a bag, and that turns into millions of dollars of revenue and things like that. So similarly on the on the design side, which is obviously what we're talking about here, um, by looking at each of the revenue types, you could start to um, understand the business much better than looking at, fact that you had revenue of $150,000 this year. Okay. I, th that makes sense to me. But you, you said, okay, so they have ticket sales, which I'm going to say is similar to design fees for all your projects, whether you do flat fees or whether you do an hourly fee contract, design fees, ticket sales. But then you mm -hmm. said they would also examine of those ticket sales, customers by class, first class, economy, business class, and that makes me wonder how does that translate into my business am i is it worthwhile for me to track a customer's profitability as a standalone well profit well, profitability is a bit of a different thing but even just uh, taking your question but applying it to the to the revenue discussion so in a design business again we talked about now breaking out various types of revenue design fees and so on um, and so one way of looking at your revenue might be looking at the ratio between the different types of revenue. So you might have design fees revenue of some number of dollars per, per year. Um, but with that, in other words, that's your activity. That's your hourly rate that you're charging. But with that given amount of activity, that number of hours times your rate, and that's your, that's your revenue on design fees. But are you generating the right, and I put sort of right in quotes, the right amount of product sales. Um, are you uh, charging enough for consultations and so on? So you can't, if you just look at your revenue and say it's 150,000 this year, and that clearly wasn't where it should have been, unless you're able to now break that down to the different forms of revenue and start to understand how you can change it so you improve it, um, you're just looking at one big blob and you're not gonna be able to do much with it. Okay. That so again, sense. and again, I just want to come back to the, 
just because I think people will understand it. In an airline, they no doubt take a look at uh, food revenue and liquor revenue per passenger, and they have targets for that. They know that they should be selling you know, $20 per passenger, and if it's less, then they will figure out how to, how to get it to the levels that they need to get it because they're bringing that food on board, there's costs and so on and so right. forth. Right. So I'm sitting there and they're thinking, uh, you know, 3B, we're going to sell this woman some peanuts. <laughs> so they, they come by with a cart. They try new things to get me to buy those peanuts. 100%. Or they might, they might give away peanuts because now they're going to sell more bottles of water or more, more alcohol or more beer. As a young designer, I, I would have found this mercenary. I would have said, oh, I don't want to be like that. I just want to help people. I just want to do my best work. And that'll keep you broke for a long time. So it's okay to be profitable, right? Even if you're a single solopreneur and you really want to make clients happy and you love what you do, it's still okay to be profitable and to get sophisticated like this. Profitability and doing good work aren't aren't in contention with each other. They're actually... Uh, they're, they're companions. Um, if you do good work, then there's two possibilities. You'll either uh, run a healthy business and make profit, or you won't. And it depends on how you manage the business side. But making profit is not a bad thing. Making profit is what you're in business for. But the, it doesn't mean that you can't do your best work. And in fact, you should do your best work. And if you do your best work, you will be very profitable. If we look at the best, you know, the most profitable companies, you know, I like to pick on Apple. Um, you know, Apple makes products that are just phenomenal, or at least that's my opinion, and they're obscenely profitable. That doesn't make them a bad, bad company. It makes them a company that provides fantastic products and services and does it in a way that they're enormously profitable. Why, why can't the designer do that? Yeah, thank you for saying that. I guess somehow when I started, that felt... It felt like there was a great divide between little old me running my decorating business and Apple. And what I hear you saying is a business is a business is a business and all businesses deserve to be fulfilling and profitable at the same time. That is, that is why a business exists. A business exists to serve its customers um, well and pro- properly um, and to serve its owners which in the case of a big company are shareholders, and in the case of a small design firm is the designer, um, with and deserves to be profitable for them. And again, they're not, they, they don't act against each other. If you're really good at what you do as a designer um, and a, as, as providing excellent results for your clients, you deserve to be way more profitable than, than the next designer. I know some of you listeners are like, oh, give me a break. Of course, I want to be more profitable. And that's fair enough. But there are lots of designers who have an attitude that was something like mine, you know, like, oh, I've achieved a certain amount of success. This is enough, right? On some level, I imagine that my business could only be so big and so profitable. And that just wasn't accurate. And Unfortunately, the narrative I told myself is the result I got. We have to track that revenue in specific categories so that we can then turn around and take action to impact it. Exactly. So, you know, the, the first step is you measure it. 
and you analyze it and you and you make decisions as to you know what went wrong or what can be changed so 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 using the the example i used from the for designers where there's some there's some reasonable ratio between the design fees revenue you're charging um, and the uh, the product sales that you're generating and on obviously and there's profit and no sales and I know the business of design model addresses uh, product sales and so on and how they're done properly and transparently just um, there's nothing wrong and I had no trouble paying the good designers we've dealt with for uh, product sales and, and getting product through them and knowing that they were making money on those products, but I was benefiting. So I had no problem with that. So, so as the design, as a design firm's owner or manager, um, being your business of design members, um, you need to understand where you want to take, um, those various revenue items in relation to each other. And, um, and, and that then leads to, to the obvious one, which is profitability. So it's one thing to generate tons of revenue, and if you if you're losing money, then you need to stop and um, and figure it out. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, "If you find yourself in a hole, the first thing you do is stop digging." So selling, you know, you're not going to if you're losing money in your business, selling more, working harder, generating more fees. Uh, all that means is you're probably going to lose more money, not not less. You got to take a step back and and figure it out. So with profitability, again, you know, you want to look at it in detail. So look at the at the bottom, you know, as it's called profitability, the bottom line at the end of the year and realize that you either didn't make nearly as much money as you had hoped um, or maybe lost money, which is a worst case scenario. Um, or maybe you made way more money than you expected. Like it could be positive, but because then there's things you can learn from the positive results. So you need to understand just like where revenue is coming from you need to understand profitability, where the profit is coming from. And there's lots of ways to analyze profitability. So, you know, one example is uh, by type of revenue. So I believe that for a design business to look and analyze profitability for each of your separate projects is absolutely critical. Um, because by understanding those projects where uh, you made great profit, um, is just as important as understanding those projects where maybe you lost money. And I guarantee, uh, well, I shouldn't say guarantee, but I, I'd be uh, pretty surprised if you haven't or if, if uh, designers haven't had projects where they've lost money. And so you need to understand why that would be and take action going forward so that you improve the profitability on each and every project. So for example, with a particular project where it was either less profitable than you'd expect, it might be that you had to credit or you felt or you did credit back some, some of your fee design fees for, for some of your hours. It might be a particular type of client that you, you start to see a trend that you know, it's it's a big client, it's a small one, it's it's this type of house, whatever it is that you're just for whatever reason um, aren't profitable like certain other of your projects. You might have lost money on some of the product sales. Um, you might have, it might be something as simple as you forgot to invoice or you chose not to invoice um, because of something that went on in that project. You felt that you made some mistakes and that's okay. Um, but at least you understand it so that you don't repeat the, those, those errors. 
and profitability in each of your projects um, improves. Another would be if you happen to have other designers working for you or maybe uh, ask people and so on, what's the profitability per person? Um, uh, if you've got a designer that you're paying a salary, how many hours have they built out? What has been their revenue? Maybe you're making a small amount on, on a particular individual, which either means, well, it can mean a lot of things. It can mean you just haven't generated enough business to keep that person busy enough, and maybe you shouldn't have them on, on staff at this point in time in the, in the life of your business. Um, maybe you're paying them too much for their skill set. Maybe the type of client you have um, doesn't support having additional people on the project and so on and so on. Um, there's no there's no pat answers to any of these questions, but it's critical that you ask the questions. It's kind of like weighing yourself once a month. <laughs> the number may not be what you like, but at least you can do something about it. Exactly. And that's actually sort of my, my, my next point uh, that I wanted to make. Um, you know, we said, if you can't measure it, you, you can't manage. So then the question is, what does manage mean? Um, what does it mean to manage? And, and, and in my, in the simplest form, uh, to manage is to take action um, that improves the business of results to ensure that your financial goals are met. Um, and so it's very important to start off with financial goals. Um, how many projects do you want to take on? How much profit do you want to generate for yourself? Keep in mind profit um, for, a, for a, uh, a single owner business or maybe a partnership, profit is money in, in your pocket. Um, it's not this sort of amorphous thing like for, for a public company. This is money that you then get to reinvest in the business or, um, or live on or, or enjoy or put away for your retirement. And for many years, I considered, um, I took my salary out of profit. And so I would have some kind of sad profit line. And that was not profit. That was that ended up being the salary I had for the year. And we're not going to even go down that rabbit hole because I know a financial advisor might tell you to take your salary at the end for specific tax reasons. But in fact, when now when I talk about profitability, I talk about something that doesn't include my salary. It's the discretionary money left over at the end of the year that I can just do whatever I want with. Yeah, and it's however you choose to define it, and everybody will do that differently. But but the reality is that the business, sort of altruistic reasons aside, the, the reason you're running a business is to is to generate profit for yourself, generate good results for your client clients, um, but generate profit for yourself, for your family, for your future, and so on. So the the first step in 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 running a business is to set goals for the business. Um, but for the purpose of this conversation, it's the financial goals. And those could be whatever you want them to be. It could be a certain growth level. Uh, you want to increase your revenues 10% a year. You want to increase your profit. Uh, you want to generate $100,000 of profit this year and, and so on. So um, that's the starting point is to, is to set out what you want to achieve as a business, not as a designer, um, but as a business. And, and so, for example, you might say that, you know, I want to generate $100,000 next year in profit. And let's say by the end of the year, you only generated $80,000 a year. So you wanna, in order to, to fix it, you wanna understand you know, what happened, what went wrong, what, what can I do to improve? And as we talked about in the last you know, few minutes, if you haven't measured any of the details that you know, we talked about or touched on, 
then there's no action you can take to improve other than maybe you'll work hard. Um, if I worked only another 20 hours a month, I'll get to that $100,000 profit. And then you can pour uh, fuel on that fire by starting to hire more people. I'll work harder and I'll hire more people. For sure. And uh, that's the digging, that's the stop digging uh, analogy that I, that I used a few minutes ago. Because all you're doing there is digging yourself into more of a hole um, in both ways. You're, you're working harder and probably not going to make any more money. You're hiring people, so now you're responsible for other individuals, and you've now got more expenses. And you're probably next year going to not make 80, but you'll make 20 and work and be working harder. I feel like you just triggered some PTSD for me, but I'm glad you're here better late than never. And from your lips to God's ears, I hope everybody listening is at is looking at the end of the year of a profit goal of $100,000, not including salary, just a profit goal of $100,000. That certainly would be my hope for everybody. And for some of you, of course, I want that number to be much higher. That's an entry level point. To be honest with you, and this will probably shock Larry, but won't shock those of you listening, I never dreamed in a million years I could earn that kind of profit. It just was so far beyond the realm of anything I thought possible. And now it's just, it's automatic. It happens automatically, which is such a gift. And honestly, if it can happen for me and for so many other Business of Design members, absolutely it can happen for you. Um, but anyway. One, one, uh, one last thing, and, and okay. uh, we talked about setting a goal of 100, come to the end of the year and it's only 80. Um, what do I do? What can I change? And, and about how, you know, if you've measured details, you can tweak, you can understand what kinds of projects are good, bad, where you're making money, where you're not. Do I have too many staff and so on? And, and the one follow on to that is don't wait to the end of the year because then it's too late. So you should be, and you, you touched on this, Kimberly, where you say, you know, you weigh yourself once a month. You don't weigh yourself at the end of the year and see how you did. You weigh yourself once a week. And if you went up a little bit, you know, you, you alter what you do. Um, and so it's really important to do these measurements on a much more frequent basis than once a year because you then have uh, time and runway to make changes on an ongoing basis. So if after month one, you look at your projects, the individual projects profitability, and you start to see that certain ones are good, certain ones are bad, well, you've got 11 months now and you know 20 or 30, I don't know the number of projects for the rest of the year, so you can start to take action. You don't wanna, you, you, uh, you know, worst case scenario is you haven't done anything, you, you've gotten 80 instead of 100 and you have no idea what to do. Next better case is you shot for 100, you got 80, but now you at least can look backwards in figuring it out. So next year you get to the 100. Best case scenario is along the way, you're doing these things and you get to the 100 um, and, or, or better. It's not an end of year, I'm filing my taxes, so I'll figure out how I did. It's too late. You're just not going to you're you're not going to to maximize what you should out of out of your business. You know, if we're going to do all this hard work and put so much love and passion into it, there ought to be a financial reward at the end of the year too. And you know, every every single person who succeeds helps the next designer who comes along to succeed. You know, even in a in a greater fashion. So. Larry, thank you. You've given me a lot to think about, including how frequently I weigh myself. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kimberly. That was that was enjoyable. 
Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.